0: back on this interview that we are sharing today which was recorded in February with the super talented super amazing Rivka Reyes and it's just so insane how much things have changed in the world you know we were just hanging out like normal and we were in our recording studio and gosh now I've what I haven't changed my pants in like a month I haven't worn a bra in like a month Both those things were probably true back then too, but I didn't have to wear a mask. Anyway, please enjoy Rivka Reyes. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming to tell me about your deepest, darkest moments in your life at 10 in the morning.
1: You know, I feel like, you know, it's a Thursday. It's the best time to kind of just like get all of that stuff out there. And um, I no longer can afford therapy, so
0: here we go. You know what? I'm in therapy. I just came from therapy. <gasps> how so was it? Amazing. Do you like your there? Love. And um, you can just tell me your stuff, and then I'll go in and I'll say that it's mine, and then he'll relay, tell me, and I'll yeah the information. Yeah.
1: I was um, recently working with a therapist who was um, actually three years younger than me, and I had to like really accept that. Um, but she was really great. And you know, that's what happens when you don't have health insurance. You, you get a grad school student as your therapist and it's, it's, it's pretty great. Was it hard? No, it was actually great because she, you know, was closer to my age and previously I'd had, I actually had a therapist who went to my same high school. So she like fully knew who I was. And that was, um, bad.
0: I feel like that shouldn't be allowed.
1: She like knew of me. She didn't know me, but she knew of me was like the gesture. She was like, oh yeah, no, yeah, you went to Ignatius. And I was just like, yeah. She's like, yeah, my little sister. And and I was just like, should you be therapizing me or? <laughs> but I stayed
0: with her for a year and I was like, it was, it was okay. I like go back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You sent me an email saying that you committed fraud on a Tinder date, and I just would love to hear about that. Okay.
1: So college was a fun time. Um, The year – let me paint the picture. Um, The year was 2014, and I was in Chicago, and um, I had just gotten out of, like, a situationship with a person who I um, was – friends with and we were in the same like improv class and I was just like in love with him and he um fully just you know we we'd fooled around a couple times and he just didn't want anything to do with me um after so there was a night where like we were both doing the same improv show and um he like left and I like thought it would be like a good idea to like chase after him like in like a rom-com kind of way and I like you know did like run after him to the train, and I, like, was like, wait, and he turned around, and I, like, tried to kiss him. He was like, no, no, don't uh, ever kiss my face in public, (laughs) and I was just like, okay, Um, so I'm heartbroken, and I uh, downloaded Tinder for the first and last time, and um, started swiping away, and it was nice. I was like, it was kind of like shopping for people, which I kind of like enjoyed but um I matched with somebody and we had set up plans to like meet up for drinks and um so when I got there he was like already pretty blacked out and um and this I, is immediately after this is like a couple days after like the like official like no I don't like you anymore like don't kiss me in public thing um and what was going through your mind as you rom-commed him? Um, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's going to like, he's going to fall for me. If I, you know, big gestures are kind of my thing. I'm a Leo and we love the big romantic gestures. Um, but then he was a Capricorn and they don't like that shit at all. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I I, also like, I, I suffer from like, delusion like I, in the past like I've I've definitely been one to like just like not see red flags because I you know am addicted to like these like whirlwind like romances with people that I'm like either like working with or or like in improv class with or whatever and I um that was just like a lot of my like early 20s was that kind of like thing. I feel like improv classes are just
0: like cesspools. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you truly do feel like you're on like a reality show with like all these people for, you know, however, I mean, this was like an improv conservatory. So we were in the same class for like a year and I had to like see him like every Saturday for a year after like, you know, all of that went down. So it was, um, it was rough, but, um, you know, my, my, thought process behind like being like Tinder, uh, let's like go find somebody else was like that whole toxic thinking of like the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else, which I actually like truly don't believe in anymore. I think the best way to get over someone is to like, um, spend like at least three months like with yourself and like be, um, your own partner. (laughs) Um, I know that like, uh, Emma Watson started coining this like new phrase of like being self partnered, -partnered. which we love. And like, somehow that's queer to me. Somehow that reads as like being like fully queer. And I love that for her. Um, so yeah, but my coping mechanism then was like, let's go meet this stranger at a bar. And, um, he was already pretty hammered whenever I got there. And so instead of seeing that as a red flag, I'm like, okay, let me catch up to him. And, I'll just have like some fun. And I got blackout drunk and decided to like go home with this guy. And we got to his home. And um it was what can only be described as like a hovel. Like it was a it was like straight up just like trash on the ground. He was like rolling, um, rolling cigarettes in his living room. There were just beer cans everywhere, just like classic. Like, and he was like, yeah, I live in a DIY, like um, community art space. And I was just like, that's hot. (laughs) Um, And he was like also one of those, like in Chicago, it's like actually like a like part of culture that like everyone like knows Chance the Rapper by like six degrees of separation. And I think he was, like, Chance the Rapper's, like, trombone player's roommate's ex's friend or something like that kind of moment, and I was just like, that's so cool, and um, I'm like, all right, I need to, I need to, like, get
0: Can you laid? describe this guy?
1: <laughs> Can I describe him? Yeah, he was hot. He was, like, um, he was mixed, and, like, he... uh Wrote a little scooter, moped thingy. Um, we didn't ride that back to his place that night. We took a lift because we were being responsible. Uh, but yeah, he he was like, a, I think a music journalist. Um, I'm not going to say his name, even though I really want to. Um, yeah, he, he's just like classic, like hipster, you know, artist boy. Um, definitely came from money, but like if you come from money, like why do you live in a full like hovel?
0: Anyway, um you're a man baby. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definite man baby. Um, and I honestly don't remember much else. Um, so I go to the bathroom, I'm like, I'm gonna go freshen up and like, you know, I'll see, I'll see you out here. And um, that's me being sexy. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> get fresh. Um, I go in the bathroom and I like look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, you are going to. Do sex to a stranger, and it's gonna be. Oh, you're gonna forget about the improv guy. You're you're gonna get over him, and it's gonna be great. I like splashed a little water on my face, and then I went out, and he was like passed out on his bed, and he was in fact naked with in fact a condom on his wiener, like ready to go. And we hadn't even like kissed yet, nothing. So I was just like, yeah, I'm not staying here tonight. Um, So instead of doing the, like, logical thing and, like, taking the train home, like, I just was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I... I don't deserve this. Like, he... He thought... He thought he was so sure that we were gonna hook up and, like, fuck this guy. So I... Um, I grabbed his wallet like a normal person does. And I grabbed his credit card uh, l- like a normal person does and put his information <laughs> into my phone for Uber. I even went so far as to like looking on his ID, what his zip code was because they require that you
0: <laughs> put the zip code in.
1: This is why I don't drink anymore. Like I, I just batch it insane. Yeah. So I, I got a, and an, I lived in a very far neighborhood from where he lived. So I took like a Uber SUV, like the like fancy one. And it was like an $80 like Uber from his place to mine. And um, the next day I like tried to go somewhere else and the um, app like was not working. And I was just like, what's wrong? And they like sent me an email. I was like, your account has been flagged for fraud. And then I called them and I was like, Hey, um I got really drunk last night and I like let this guy put his credit card into my account. Well, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Is there a way you can like fix that? And they like took care of the charge and like didn't I don't think he found out if he did. Like I'm very sorry. Um a part of my recovery is to make amends to those that I've harmed and <laughs> I I'm sorry to um anonymous Tinder boy uh for stealing your credit card. Um, But also, like, you shouldn't have assumed that I was going
0: to do sex to you because, you know, I might have not. (laughs) Did he put a condom on a limp dick or was it hard and he I mean,
1: I think it was the latter. I think he, like, probably got it going and then, like, put it on and was, like, ready and then just, like, passed out. I mean, what a mensch.
0: We love it. (laughs) She's flabbergasted. No, I'm trying to find (laughs) the right question. I'm obsessed with this story. Oh, God. It is like one of
1: the I think it's probably the most petty thing I've ever done like to another person like and and honestly, like if Uber sees this and like wants to take my account away, I'm like fair. I fully understand. Was that the first time you've been in like a fancy Uber? Yeah, I like felt like I earned it. I felt like I deserved it even though I fully didn't because I was a piece of shit for stealing this guy's credit card. <laughs> um, but it was nice. It was nice. And I, you know, the next because I was like, I have class the next day. I had to go to like um, uh, this like viewpoints class the next day for theater school. And it was like you're <laughs> dying over here. Did you take viewpoints? <laughs> of
0: course we I did. Yeah, telling you.
1: Viewpoints is basically for those who don't know. Viewpoints is like industry for like wiggling around on the ground like um, little. Yeah. So you're like walking. Yeah. It's like making shapes. And then like you eventually end up like wriggling around on the ground, like night crawlers. It's, it's very fun. And it's supposed to teach you um like movement for the stage and like all of the like elements of a play. I, I just was like, I can't stay here. I cannot stay here. I like must leave. I I, I just cannot be here. And like I wanna mention that first before I went for his credit card, I did like try to open his phone and get an Uber from his phone, but his thing was locked and um like it was before face recognition, so so I wasn't able to like do, <laughs> hold up the phone to his face like a psycho.
0: Um so I, I you know desperate times called for desperate measures. You said this it. was one of the le- one of the reasons you stopped drinking. Was yeah. this the last time? No. So this this
1: story is one of the like ones that I tell when like people are like I didn't even realize you were like that much of a drinker and I'm like it's not that I was that much of a drinker it was just like the ways that my brain worked when I drank like and the reasons for which I would drink when it gets to a point where you feel as though you need it to survive and you feel like you're not funny without it or you're not like confident without it like that's when it's like you might consider that you have a problem with it. And um I come from a long line of like addictive personalities, like my whole family, you know, whether it's with drinking, drugs, shopping, food, uh, lack of food. So I kind of just knew in the back of my head that there was this like history of it and that I probably did. But like the first time I drank, I blacked out. So like that was like when I was like, Fifteen, and I was at this like party in high school, and I just thought that that's what happened, and I thought that that was normal for everybody. So for a long time, I would just like same old shit, black out, or like wake up places that I was just like, how did I get here? I don't know, but I don't like it, (laughs) like you know, and and yeah, so I I haven't had a I haven't had a drink in over two years, um, and it took me hitting a, a pretty deep bottom. Uh, with, like, alcohol and, like, cocaine, like, to realize truly that I had a problem with it, and I was just like, oh, shit, like, I haven't done stand-up without being high or drunk in, like, three years, and that's fully not okay, and I, like, need to get back to, like, who am I without this, and so it's been an interesting process, but, yeah, it's it's nice, and um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. I love being sober. Um, I am a lot happier. I'm able to see red flags. And instead of like seeing them and being like, that's a red flag, but like, give me. (laughs) Um, I'm able to say that's a red flag and I'm going to walk away. When it comes to like relationships, friends, business stuff, like family stuff, it's it's just made my life just so much better.
0: Was there a specific moment that... Where you had clarity that there was an issue? Did anybody intervene? No, there was no intervention. Although like I
1: I think because I'm a Leo and I'm addicted to drama, like I wanted there to be an an intervention so badly. I was like, was watching the show Intervention being like, why do they have like nicer apartments than me? Um, But that's neither here nor there. Uh, No, I, I didn't have an intervention. I just kind of like, yeah, there was just a night where I did a bunch of Coke and I drank a bunch of vodka. And the next day I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I kind of just like, I do remember waking up saying that out loud and being like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, help. And like, that was kind of that like moment of clarity. It was like, I felt psycho, like being like, you know, so hungover and like just useless, you know, after a bender and. And I was also in a really toxic relationship at that time with a person who like was also an addict and had like several partners that he was lying to and lying about and like hiding from each other and from me. And like I stayed in that thing because I was so terrified of being alone. And like I was just like, this isn't healthy. And then I watched this show called Love on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. So like Gillian Jacobs character goes to like, um, 12 step meetings. And I like learned about this 12 step program for people who suffer from sex and love addiction. And I was just like, uh, that sounds like me. That sounds a little bit like what I go through. And then I like did some research on it and there were meetings that I could go to like in where I, in the area that I lived. And so I started going and, um, I've been going to those for two years now. And I've just like now kind of like done a full refurbishing of my life in a way where I'm like, I have just like boundaries in place. I'm like able to turn down offers, which like was the thing that I wasn't able to do when I was drinking and using because I was like just addicted to a- a- attention and any kind of like validation, whether it was like bad or not, like. I used to kind of like feel kind of a hit from like posting something provocative and then having people like comment, like you're so hot. And like now that kind of like is like, "Eh." like for me personally, I'm just like, I don't need that. Usually it comes down to like what I actually needed in that moment was like connection with a person and like whether that's through like a conversation or like if it's a hug, but it's usually for me, like I can't. I can't really use, like, sex as a solution anymore or, like, a Band-Aid. It's more just, like, a nice thing to do for me uh, with, like, you know, a partner. And it's, like, a healthy, like, you know, normal, like, relationship thing. It's not, like, something that one person, like, uses to manipulate the other. It's just, like, it just is.
0: We sound – this sounds so similar to some of my story. Um, Tell me! Which I've actually never – really shared. Um, I thought I was, I thought I may be a sex addict, sex and love act as well because I saw love and I went into therapy and I talked to my therapist about it and he was kind of like, no, that's not you. But I was very adamant. Like, no, I, I also, I went online. I looked at the checklist. I checked a lot of those boxes. Yeah. And for me, it was, uh, I was in this cycle where I would um, date a person and then not even date. No, fuck that. That's not what it was. I would yes, like come on, radical honesty. <laughs> I would tell myself that it was dating, but it wasn't. It was sex. And I needed the sex for validation and for connection. Mm-hmm. And I knew I could get someone's attention for an hour, half an hour. And I knew I could feel. I, I on top of it, it was, you know, there's so many layers to it, but yes, it was sex positive. Yes, it was me being, mm-hmm. getting pleasure. But I don't think, I think that was my excuse. Like, yeah. because none of that sex was fulfilling. And I was, you know, with dating a coworker for dating, I thought it was dating. It yeah. was, we were, you know, I was sucking his dick in back alleys after work. Yeah. And begging him to be my boyfriend.
1: Yeah. That's and, not dating. Yeah. And
0: it's so interesting once you like
1: realize that, you know, what I had with that improviser guy, the guy from my improv class wasn't dating. That was me and him hooked up while we were on coke a couple times. And I wanted him to be my boyfriend so badly that I obsessed over him that it felt like I was being stabbed, impaled in the gut every time I saw him with another girl because he would bring these girls around to our shows and I would see it as he was cheating on me. But that's like it wasn't real. That was all like a full fantasy. Like we, we were never dating. We had like he had actually explicitly told me several times like I can't I don't want to be with you. I can't be with you in my mind, I heard that as, like, he's so in love with me, but he's tortured, and he can't, and, like, whether or not that's true, like, he might have, you know, he might have cared about me in some sort of way like that, but, like, I I was just so wrapped up in the fantasy and the, like, um, kind of, like, the power I felt, you know, from him or from, you know, me or whatever, (laughs) uh, that I wasn't able to see reality, and that's how it was with, several of my relationships with the guy that I was you know the person that I was with when I got sober um who was a like raging narcissist abuser like he had all these women that he was you know dicking around and like I still was like but I'm the favorite so I should stay like that that's just the psychotic thinking that I had and like that addiction is so tricky because with drinking and drugs you just don't do it with cigarettes you just don't smoke a cigarette and with gambling you don't gamble and when with the like food addiction or like f- uh, disorder eating it's like you eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're not hungry anymore but with this it's so difficult because it's like your drug is um people <laughs> or like attention or like getting validation or whatever and so like for me it took like i mean it still is really hard like i i i still have like very strict rules that I give myself that sometimes feel terrible. And I sometimes wake up and I'm like, damn, like this sucks. I I do sometimes like mourn the person that I was before I had my like white light moment. Still, I'm like, okay, but if I like play the videotape of like what happens if I like read, download Tinder or hit up that guy from my improv class, who's now engaged. Like, and the only reason I know that is because I'm a psycho and I stalked his Instagram, you know, like if I don't look at people's Instagram of people that I've like dated or hooked up with before, if I just continue to work on my own stuff and like stick to those boundaries and stick to those, you know, go to those meetings and go to therapy and like talk about this stuff with people who can relate and be faithful and be, um, honest and vulnerable with my current partner. That's like the most, I think sex positive thing that I could do for myself. Um, and there's like a common misconception that like people who are like, um, sex and love addicts in recovery, like are not sex positive, but that's not true. Like there's, there's a balance, like it's just about balance. You can be sex positive and be a recovering, um, sex and love addict. Like at the same time, those are not like mutually
0: exclusive. I think the moment for me is I, one of the moments for me was I realized that what I was doing wasn't actually sex positive was that I was like not present in my body. Sex for me, pretty much until my current partner was about, being really needy and needing love and connection and knowing I could get it this way. And again, this is all unconscious, you know. In therapy, you'll learn this. No, it's not sex positive if I am terrified of losing this person so I'm not really engaging them in sex. Mm -hmm. If I'm just doing what they want because Mm -hmm. I feel such a need to please them to keep them. Yeah. And like, that's not sex positive at all. And my current partner is the only person – I think that I've ever been with, that is actually, we've had open communication about what do you like, what do you want? Same. And it really hurts me to think that I went so long in these rela- sexual relationships that were not fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And like, I mean, when, when I don't know, I, I would like dissociate like during sex, like, and I would just like come to and be like, I just did that and I didn't want to. And it's not like it was it, it it in cases where I like was having sex and then realized I was like, "Oh wait, I didn't want that. I just wanted a hug." Or I just wanted to like take a nap with you or like um go see a movie or something. Like I didn't want all of that. Like but I just like I think I trained myself to think that that's like where it always would lead and had to lead um for me to stay interesting to somebody. Same. Um but it's i mean that's crazy like and and part of that i think is because like when i was a kid i was in a film and like the um like my mom would like always read the like message boards to me which is like don't do that like if you're a parent of a child actor don't read the comments to them that's just like insane Ooh, that will feed some um, mad anxiety yeah like she she would like read every comment mostly the bad ones but like bad or good she would she would like read cuz like back then there's like in 2003, like IMDB had little message boards where you could like write about the people <laughs> and like Zango was a thing. And people were like writing about me on those like forms of um, social media. And she awful. would like, she, yeah, it was awful. And she would read things to me that were like pretty triggering for a 10 year old to hear like a man being like, I can't wait till she's 18. She's so hot. She's like children aren't hot. They're children. And so, like, being sexualized at such a young age and, like, I even remember there was a man that, like, came to my school um, in Chicago and, like, was trying to take pictures of me and the teachers couldn't do any—the teachers wouldn't do anything about it. The principal was like, well, you know, that's what happens when, you know, you put yourself out there like that. Thank God my parents were smart enough to pull me out of that school specifically, but it's just being put into the—like, being in the film industry from being— from literally childhood and being exposed is just so vulnerable. And I just always thought that like, all right, I'm an object. So, you know, it is my duty to stay hot. It is my duty to be. um,
0: How do you not think your worth is based on sex appeal? Yeah, exactly. And to have those thoughts as a kid is
1: terrifying. Like, it's just, I mean, I remember... Seeing um when I was like 13 or 14, like there was this like fake, like um, it was like a fake porn site. It was like it said my name and it was like nude pics. And I was like 14 and I was just like, that doesn't exist. And I like was too scared to like look at it. It probably was like one of those sites where people just like um Photoshop like the faces of people onto like porn stars. But like it it just like seeing that at that age just terrified me. But then also I was like, my mom also like taught me that sex was scary and only something that married people should do for making children. And then at the, and then she used like scare tactics of like, you know, you can get STDs, you can get chlamydia, like you you can get AIDS and die if you have sex or you can get pregnant and you don't want to be pregnant and like use that to scare me. But then like when I went to high school and all my friends were like doing it and telling me like, well, if you do this, this, and this, you won't get any of those things. And that, it'll be fine. And then I was just like, and then it became such a, like a rite of like womanhood to like lose your virginity, which is so interesting. Um, that I just became obsessed with it. And I was just like, who's going to be the one I'd like walk through the cafeteria and look at all the boys. Like it was a fucking meat market and be like, which which one of these is going to take my virginity at this Jesuit Catholic high school where I do not fit in at all. And the guy that I ended up making my sexual debut with like was, I heard on Amanda Steele's podcast, somebody, they were talking about virginity and instead of saying losing my virginity, they started saying making my sexual debut. So I love, I that. love that so much because it's like, it kind of, um,
0: kind of nobody, empowering.
1: it is empowering. And it's like, you don't lose anything. You're not giving something away, but you're like making like a an entrance. And like, um yeah, the other, I think the joke was that implies that there's a musical number. (laughs) I love that. Um, So the guy that I made my sexual debut with was, um, you know, a junior. I didn't like him. I, like, definitely just was, like, doing it to get it out of the way. And I knew that since he he was a junior and I was a freshman that, like, I could get him to do it with me because of that, like, whole, like, weird, like, thing of, like, she's a freshman, I'm a junior, (laughs) like, that. And it's so weird to think of it now. Anyway, he voted for Trump. Bye. Um, <laughs> Bye. We wish him well or not. I actually don't. Um, But yeah, and then he cheated on me at summer camp. Anyway, like, I, I just always thought it was like a power move to like, I was just like, I have this thing in my hand or like, you know, and it's like, I could like snap it off if I want. And it's just, it's, it's so, this is like getting to be a bit much like, just, but like, and now it's like, so sacred to me in a way that's not, and it's not like a, you know, religious thing for me. Uh, it never has been, I've never been religious, but I've always been spiritual. Um, and now like being vulnerable and present and honest with somebody, um, that is like sacred and and that is like beautiful and amazing. For me, like even with people who are like like like-minded who have gone through similar stuff, or like women in the program, like when we're able to sit across from each other and I say, like, I stole a guy's fucking credit card and put it in my Uber account to get an Uber home because I had my heart broken by this improv guy and then like went on a Tinder date and he was like too drunk to, you know, hook up. So I like took his card and have somebody sit across from me and be like, I have a similar story. It's not the same story, but I have a similar story where I and then they go into theirs and I'm like, this is just magic. This is better than any like
0: random like one night hookup for me. I feel like sex has been for me just when you have that actual honesty and emotional whatever it's more fulfilling, I mean, obviously, but yeah. like you know, so many times I had uh just a just feeling lonely, just feeling vulnerable mm-hmm. there's a guy that's like kind of attractive mm. that yeah. like classic like I just need to nut culture like it's it's
1: toxic for some people. I would be willing to say it's just toxic in general, like the like I just need to get off, I need to put my thing in somebody else's thing or I just need to just get out all of this like frustration, aggression, tension, sadness, loneliness out on another person. Like that's that's a little that's toxic. It's just not using it it is like a way of using somebody else as a solution where usually what you really wanted was like a nice meal cooked by some by your mom or like a nice Hug from someone you love, or like a phone call with your favorite auntie—like connection, <laughs> it's just connection. Um, You don't always need to nut. <laughs> I need that on a sticker. <laughs> you don't always need to nut.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I have a memory of title of episode. Oh, that, you don't that always down. need to nut. <laughs> write that down, Alex. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I have this memory of being in college, and I was in a sorority, and we had some dance, and There was a guy there that I had been flirting with and I really like, he didn't come with me. He went with somebody else. I just brought a friend and I wanted to like hook up with him and I kept dancing with him and he kept like kind of pushing me away (laughs) and I just kept going for it. And finally he was like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. And instinctively was like, well, so and so was here and I fucked him before so I'm going to fuck him tonight. And then I like start looking for him and then he's making out with someone else. And then I'm like, well, now, like, just the rejection was I couldn't just be sad. I had to like stuff it down and be like, "Well, someone will, I someone will give me Get this what out I of want. me." Yeah. yeah. So then I like called somebody else, and thankfully, not thankfully, but like he was busy that night mm-hmm. and he didn't come over, and I just had to be by myself, <laughs> which was like what I needed, but was so painful and the thing yeah. I was trying to stop from happening. Yeah. Um,
1: the withdrawal process is so hard too, and and um, SLAA is like it's it's literally like thirty to ninety days of just nothing. Like you can't like there there's a list of things you don't do, and like you know for some people it's like just pretty much like no dating, no flirting, no d- t- dating apps, no masturbation. Like for me, it was like as simple as like no lying, no fishing for compliments, no posting. You know. Uh, provocative content for like shock value. No, you know, I couldn't even tell half of my jokes because all my set was all about how like wacky and crazy I was in bed. And like, I don't do those jokes anymore because they don't reflect who I am now. But like, it it just, it it helped so much to like get through that. And like, now I'm in a new cycle of like withdrawal because I'm in this relationship and I've moved in with my partner. And while, you know, both of us are emotionally available, we do want to be in this relationship. It is, you know, by all means a healthy relationship. There just have to be boundaries because it can't get to a place of codependency where like he's the only good thing in my life. Like we we don't want to like let it get to that. So like, you know, there, there are just things I have to do to keep myself um, sober in that like emotionally sober and, you know, be the best and most present partner to my partner that I can be. Um, but yeah, like it's just so, it's so interesting the things that we do when all we want is connection and like all we want is to like not feel alone. Like being alone in my house now is like the best thing. Like I just love it. Like when my partner like goes off to do whatever he does, like, you know, go to work or go hang out with his friends, and then I have the place to myself. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to clean. I'm going to watch Drag Race. I'm going to, like, do all of these things for myself with myself because I, like, am in a place of liking myself enough to spend time with myself and be, like, alone with myself. And, yeah, I, like, wouldn't change that for the world. It's hard, but I do like it. I, I, I feel a lot lighter and... Like, I feel, it just feels nice to be able to be honest and not hide these things from people and not sit in that thing of, like, I'm the most insane person in the world. Nobody has this experience. Nobody is as fucked up as I am. And then, like, walking to a room of people who have the same experience, it makes me feel so, like, unspecial in the best way. Like, it's just, like, you're not that special. You're not the only person that has that experience. They're actually, like hundreds of people who have that, and I'm lucky enough to have, like, found, like, kind of a group of people who are
0: working on that part of their life, you know? And I think it takes a lot to actually break the cycle and to recognize that something, you can have a different relationship to yourself and to sex and to alcohol and all of them I, vices. I, yeah, I think there's tons of people like this. Even more so, that wouldn't identify themselves as this. They just aren't educated on it, or they're just afraid of it, afraid and can't see it in themselves, and may even get defensive if somebody were to point it out. Mm-hmm. And that's all okay. But yeah, if somebody,
1: I mean, I'm saying if if somebody had pointed it out to me, I would be like, no, I can. Yeah, same thing of like, I can stop when I want to. But cigarettes, for me, it took forever to quit smoking cigarettes. And I was like, I can stop smoking when I want to. I was like, oh, no, I'm actually super powerless over this thing. And, like, if somebody had told me, hey, like, you have some really bad patterns with the way that you date or the way that you, like, are with people, like, I would be like, no, I don't. I'm normal. You're the fucked up one. But then it took me seeing it in somebody else, like my my ex, who I, like, was with when I got sober, when I saw that he had these qualities of the character on love and that I thought I might have and that he was, like, experiencing kind of, like, a bottom too. I was just like, oh, shit. Not only do you need help, but I fucking need help, too. And, like, being able to say that was, like, the... I think it was, like, probably the first time I was honest. It was the, the first time I went to a um, 12-step meeting was the first time I listened um, and heard. Um, I... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's truly magic like that it happened because I like, it, it doesn't seem like it's as serious of a um, disease as like alcoholism or drug di- addiction. But for me, it's like life and death. Cause there have been times where like, I've been so pining over a person that I like would die for them. Like, and it, it so that, the, yeah, it is a life or death disease. Like, like alcoholism is. Yeah. But it is, there, there are, Solutions that don't involve uh, stealing credit cards <laughs> or just, like, getting your net on. Um, I can't believe I've said that phrase so many times
0: today, and I'm, like, actually, like, kind of mad at myself about it. <laughs> I love it. Embrace it. Yes. If there's anything you could say to that version of you who was—if there's anything you could say to that version of you, what would you say? Um, This is going to sound so cheesy, but, like— I forgive you like
1: I that's (laughs) I forgive you Uh, and also like it's not the end of the world like nothing is the end of the world and there's a life just so much better and bigger coming your way Um, but also like I can't change the past so I, 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 I I definitely like wish I could like there are some things I really wish I could take back. Since that's just not possible, like just be present and you're not actually alone, like and also being alone is
0: sometimes great. (laughs) Thank you so much to the very talented, very funny Rivka Reyes if you want to get in touch email us at dirtygirlpodcast at gmail.com we also have merch it is on t public dirty girl merchy merch i got a coffee mug i got i got a mask it was great it was so great thank you see you next week dirty girl is produced by me heather ann gottlieb along with cameron taggy Tristan Bankston and Alex Salem. We are distributed by the Hoo-Ha-Ha Podcast Network. Our logo was designed by Kevin Laughlin.